different. So we're just going to stop there, right? <coughs> That's in the first. Yeah. And plus, I need a second to. It's just an easier way because if it's harder for Dave to come out of that, the other rhythm you know, the faster. Isn't the energy of majesty higher than the energy of tremble? I think so. I think so too. I, like it, it could be like the next song. Okay. Switch then. Yeah. Hey, did you guys catch that? Probably not. Matt, we're switching the order. This is Amazing Grace number one, Majesty number two, <laughs> Trimble three. Yes, all sick. Can I can I uh, play Delirious really quick just to see? Yes. Yes.
let's just start this one and try again. First two, second column.
can do something for you so I can go.
Thank you to our worship team, teams, multiple, plural, for all the work that you guys have put in and the prayer and just the heart. They've been planning this for months. It's uh, really cool. Doesn't just get thrown together, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be sweet. I'm looking forward to it. Well, good morning. How's everybody? Good. Sun's out. Guns aren't out. It's cold, but it's nice. Hey, we're going to continue uh, week four of six in the book of Ecclesiastes in a series that we are calling The Radical Middle. The Radical Middle. You know, uh, Caitlin talked a little bit about the conference and... um, one of the things that's cool for me when, when I go down to this and see people that I don't get to see too often, other pastors, they're all, there's all these other churches, you know, like today, right now, they're doing what they feel God has called them to do. And in a lot of ways, and on paper, it's real similar to what we're doing. They're gathering, they're probably singing, they're uh, providing an opportunity for people to connect with God and each other. But we all have our individual flavors, which I love too. And, um, but it was just fun to go and see people that are, I always feel like they're running in the same direction as me. They're trying to lead a church. They, um, go through seasons of discouragement, you know, uh, and if they're honest about it, they'll reach out and be like, get prayer from someone. And, and, um, but they're, they're just, they're just trying to push this thing forward and serve people and, and teach God's word to the best of their ability. And so it was always fun for me to just connect with others and be like, yeah, man, I'm not alone. Um, Because sometimes when you're in your own world, it can feel lonely, right? You can feel like, oh, people don't understand. But um, I think people do understand. It's just our circumstances are unique. And but other people are doing some of the same things that that we are. So and which we're going to look at today, what I'm, I'm excited about. So The book of Ecclesiastes, I loved what I said on week one that came from a pastor that I look up to, I think is a really good Bible teacher. His name is Skip Heitzig, and um, he pastors a church in New Mexico. Uh, he's He's an amazing teacher, but he said this about the book of Ecclesiastes. He broke it up into three parts. He said that uh, King Solomon, who wrote it, Um, And searching for the meaning of life, he said that chapters one, I'm going to, this is off the cuff, so let me get it right. Chapters one through four were Solomon's, um, search, it was his sayings, his searches, and then his solutions. Chapters one through four, Solomon's search. Chapters five through nine, Solomon's sayings. You guys been reading Ecclesiastes as we're going through? Is there a lot of sayings in it? Homie was wordy. The philosophers are like that. They say a lot of words. And then towards the end, it says solutions, some answers, some things he's coming up with. As I've been studying it, I broke it down on my own, in my own words, and I'd like to give them to you this morning. I think that as we've been looking through, this is something that's read, rang true to me, and maybe it will for you. We've seen Solomon in um, searching for pleasure. Finding meaning in pleasure, in his pursuits, and then he's going to have a change of perspective, and then we're going to see, starting next week, he has some patterns. Pleasures, pursuit, perspective, patterns. 
today we're going to look at this perspective. Because today I think we are going to have a perspective switch. Open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And while you're turning there, let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning. And like has been prayed, we thank you for your word. What a cool um, theme for the conference, the wonder of the word. And how it's your word that we don't just learn about you, but it stirs our hearts. It It has the power to transform, to look into our inmost being, and, and your word reads us as much as we read it. It's amazing, Lord. So as we open your word this morning, these are your words to us. We also open up our hearts that it would be good soil, that whatever you want to bring in, you say it's nourishing, it gives life, it gives strength, maybe bring some correction because your word is alive. We open up our hearts and we say, Lord, whatever you have for me is good. So let it be planted in our hearts. Let us receive the things you want to say. We love you, Lord. We pray everything in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, you say, amen. Amen. Let me read you guys a verse or a group of verses, and I want you to keep this in mind, perspective perspective starting in chapter 3 verse 1 for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted a time to kill and a time to heal a time to break down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. That's what he does in Footloose. There is a time to dance. Amen. And the town goes wild. And the pastor's perspective is changed about dancing. Sorry, we're talking about Solomon, not Kevin Bacon. Go watch it tonight. Time to dance. There is a time to dance. Okay, verse 5. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. That means there's a time to say hello and there's a time to say goodbye. There's a time to seek and a time to lose. There's a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear, a time to sow. That means there's a time to, um, this is cool, this is poetry. So you're like, what it to tear and to sow, just a side note. Um, sometimes when, when uh, you mourned in these days, you would, um, you would tear your garments. It was, a, it was a visible sign of, I am hurting. You wouldn't hide it. You were encouraged to actually lean into that. And let the emotions, it's a very much Western American thing to like hide your emotions and not to do stuff or to overly uh, read into it and let them direct you. But it was just like people would mourn with you a time to tear, but then there's a time to move on from that, not let that define you forever. There's a time to 
keep silent and a time to speak. There is a time to love and a time to hate, he says. A time for war and a time for peace. How do you see perspectives in there? I'd say this. If you are 100% in any of these one things, planting. In the spring, farmers plant. 100% of their effort goes to planting. If it doesn't, there will be no harvest. You're 100% into that thing. When your world comes crashing down, you are 100% broken up. You are in it. You ever just been in it? It's hard to have a, pers- uh, a perspective that Solomon has here. What does he have here? He has a big picture perspective. He's looking at the whole thing and he's drawing these conclusions. We are born. There's a time to be born, he says. And a time to die. And within that, we plant, we harvest, we, we build, we tear down, we, we tear, we sow, we say hello, we say goodbye. There's these things. We drew it out on the line. There's ups, there's downs, there's relations, there's all of these things. But he takes a he step back, a 30,000 foot view and says, these are, and here's what he's going to say, the cycles that I've seen. Remember how we said that there's the linear line, born, do some stuff, die. There's more to it than that. But, but when our life is only on this linear plane, Solomon says for himself, it actually became a circle. And not just a circle, it became a downward spiral. He was like, I, I wanted to find meaning, so I gave myself completely to this thing. And I did it. It was fun. I had all these relationships, all this stuff. I balled out super hard. But at the end, I was by myself, lonely, and worse off than I was when I started. He became, they became these cycles. And, all, and Ecclesiastes is all about Solomon um, seeing some cycles, testing them out, and then coming to, to some conclusions. And then now he's going to pivot because next week he's gonna, we're going to start looking at Here's what's really important. We're going to start laying down some patterns, some healthy rhythms to find that balance of the radical middle that we're talking about to where it doesn't matter where you're at, you can be content. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Philippians 4, 6 says, in all things, by prayer and supplication, supplication means like begging, God, please help me. And it says this, with all things, with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's saying the radical middle is attainable. You don't have to go someplace else. You don't have to buy a new thing. It's attainable. So we're going to start looking at these healthy patterns. But today, we need to identify these cycles, this circular system of life. Today's message, we're going to call coffins and cradles. Actually, I have it, cradles and coffins. Cradles and coffins. Solomon identifies some circular patterns. I'm going to read a few texts today because they're sprinkled. Like I said, it's throughout the book. It's not linear in thought. 
it's sort of like a super colorful picture. And you're like, ooh, there's some of this over there and there's some of this over there. But all together we have this painting. So back up to chapter 1. Let me read you guys these verses. Here's what we're looking for, you guys. The perspective of the big picture of what it's all about, life and death. He says this, generation starting in verse 4 of chapter 1. Generations come and generations go. Circular. But the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and then it hurries around to rise again. There's a cycle. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and round it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. I remember when I was at mountain school with Jonah. Ollie, you didn't get to do it. COVID wrecked everything. Um, but we were taught, there's a big part. It was up at uh, North Cascade. Is that the name of it? National Park. Anyway, it's really cool. That's the water cycle right there in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Rivers run out to the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again. Condensation, precipitation, and then the third one. I forget what it is. Then the water returns again to the rivers, flows out to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It all has been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people will say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. What a downer. Don't invite him to the Thanksgiving party. You ever notice how... Sometimes it's not so much the words you say, but the way in which you say them that really matters. There is a lot of truth in this statement. He's just weary from trying the same cycles in his life and coming up with the same answers. He went after the new because he had all the funding to do it. And when he got there, he might have said something like, I built a new house. It's new. But people have been trying to build houses and take care of their families forever. That's not new. I got a new girlfriend, he might say. That's new. But ever since God created people, there's been the search for love. Nothing is truly new. We like to say everything is about the new in our world. The new. New this. New that. Got to have the new one. I think it's funny the stuff that we as Depending on our makeup of who we are, what we like, what new stuff we like. I always just, it's one of the things I like to talk about. Like when we're into stuff, someone's like, oh, have you seen the new computer? I'm all, nope. (laughs) Or they look at mine, they're like, your computer's really old. I'm like, well, I got it in 2017, that's old? And they're like, yeah, the new one, the new one's like nine times faster. Then I immediately am like, well, I don't know. That's probably why the thing, the fan turns on and it sounds like it's going to explode when I'm at the coffee shop. I'm like, people look at me. I'm like, I'm sorry. There's, I don't know. It's going to fly away. It sounds like a helicopter. Um, the newest vehicle, the newest that. And you, you, you notice how 
you don't know even know what the newest something is until you, like you need it. Your hot water heater goes out at home. You're like, oh, I need a new hot water heater. And then you look and you're like, yo, the hot water tech is crazy right now. <laughs> the, whatever it is, the lighting, we need new lights. You, you go to the store, get a light bulb. There's 9,000 choices. And you're like, I don't know. So we buy five. I screw them in and Steph goes, mm, I like that one. That's the one we're going with, the one that mama likes because that's what's important. Or just there's always something new. While this is the, the midst, in the midst of the cycles of life, the idea is that through Ecclesiastes that we would develop and grow. While nothing is new, there should be lots of things as we go through life that are new to us. That's called learning. We learn things. It's new. New to you, but it may not be new to the, the overall human experience. While we pursue things that don't ultimately bring fulfillment, and sometimes when we get there, we find ourselves grabbing for the wind, that's actually opportunities to grow. You learn, you understand, you grow. But sometimes we find ourselves spinning our wheels caught up in the cycle, searching for meaning and explanations and finding neither. That's why one of the major themes of Ecclesiastes is that everything you see is temporary. Everything you see is temporary. Everything, which is a trip. You guys ever heard of this term, Feature creep. If you're not in business, you've probably never heard this term. The first time I heard it, I was like, is that a, uh, I thought it was a, um, a Radiohead song, but it's not. Feature creep is a, is a business term, and this is its definition. Feature creep happens when a product team continues adding features to the point that they undermine the product's original value. Users complain that the project is the product is becoming too complicated or confusing and they can't find the original functionality they needed. The defining characteristic of feature creep is that the newer features go beyond the company's original product vision. These new features get added slowly over time, and the process unfolds gradually enough to keep the, that the product team doesn't realize that their product is suffering or that the consumer doesn't realize that it's no longer doing what they originally wanted. Therefore, when you hear, get in 2023, get ready for the fully redesigned, brand new, blah, blah, blah. They start from ground up, and they build it new because things have gotten added to the point to where it's lost its original intent. There's too much going on. needs to simplify. So much stuff has been added that the original intent is lost. Life is like that. Our lives are like that. When you feel so entrenched in something that you can't see the big picture... So much stuff has been added that the original intent is lost. Solomon was suffering from this. We 
if we are honest, find ourselves in this cycle every once in a while where we are like, what am I doing? What's going on here? The Bible says, ponder the path of your feet. It means look down the road that you're on and see if you like where you're going to end up. Do you like where you're going? If the answer is no, then there are decisions to make. But the first thing that has to happen is you have to have a perspective switch. You ever heard the term, you missed the forest for the trees? So when you're so into the trees that you can't see that you're actually standing in the middle of a single forest. There's a big picture. And it's hard to see the cycle when you're in it. Ever notice? You can see when someone else is going through something hard before you see yourself. And we can walk through life like, if these people would just listen to what I'm saying, they'll be doing better. You can see it on other people. You can't see it in yourself, but other people see it in you before they see it in themselves. It's hard to see the cycle when you're in it. That's why we love this sign or this, this saying. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss it. Who said that? Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss it. Today we're going to look, we're going to do together what each of us should do on the regular. We're going to stand back and we're going to take a look around. Here's what I want to do today. Four things. We want to get a new perspective. We want to make sure that we're getting a kingdom perspective. We're going to gr- and we're going to grow in two areas, and I'll tell you what they are when we get there. So first thing, we want to... When you stand back and take a look around, you gain a new perspective. Flip over to chapter 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Gain a kingdom perspective. Excuse me. That's, yeah, one and the same. Okay, chapter 7. What I did is I went through Ecclesiastes. I don't know if you guys can see it. I'm a Bible writer and highlighter. I have to go, I get a new Bible every couple years because I write so much in it that after a while I can't write. So if I go back and look, I'm like, I can't make any more notes. But what I did is I went through and in my, in my uh, margins, every time it talked about time, I put a T and I circled it. Every time it talked about Uh, a healthy rhythm, which we're going to start looking at next week. I put an asterisk next to it. Every time it talked about, this is how I, stuff works in my mind, and we break down the, our series and stuff. And then every time it talked about, um, anyways, like the pleasure and stuff, I, I, color, I code everything. So I went through, there's a lot of places where it talks about time, and they're sprinkled in. But in chapter 4, starting in verse 7, it says this. Or start chapter 7, verse 1, sorry. A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. So remember, he's standing back, looking at things, and he's drawing some conclusions. A good reputation is more valuable than looking good. I could preach on that verse. The day you die is better than the day you're born. That's odd. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. 
After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. It's good to underline that, I think. Verse 4, a wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool only thinks about having a good time. Stand back and take a look. And here's what he says. Can I paraphrase that? Wisdom goes through the hard stuff and learns. The foolish look to escape and learn nothing. The Bible says that laughter is medicine and good for the soul, which is true. But it also tells us that sorrow is a teacher. Laughter is medicine. You need to take your medicine. Sorrow, hardship is a teacher. How many times have you said, I won't do that again? I didn't learn what I wanted to learn from there. If I could do that over, man, I blew that one. Learn. You learn what to do by learning what not to do. That's the reality of life. For us people who... <laughs> didn't learn it the other way. But you don't, we don't always have to learn it that way. I was reading a book on healthy, healthy spiritual rhythms this past year. Um, and the author was talking about these monks. And they would move as people that, that want to be close to God and they'd move away from civilization and they would go out and live in a very remote place and spend years in silence. Anyways, this book was on spiritual practices, healthy rhythms and silence and solitude. We'll get to it, but it's a really good rhythm of being by yourself with God and stop talking. Just to be alone. It's amazing what God will speak to you where you could come back and you could say something like, I don't know how else to explain it, but I felt like God laid this on my heart. But those come in still small voice ways, not in look at this brand new thing ways. And, um, and he's talking that, and he was talking about these monks, and they would live, um, I forget the, the time frame, 1400s or something. Here's a practice they had. When they died, they would be buried on site in a place that you had to walk by every day. And there was always an empty grave. The next grave, they would fill it and then dig another one, and it would sit empty and open until the next person died. Be like, that's sort of morbid. Actually, it's really cool because what they say is it kept them uh, reminded of the big picture that you're going to die. You could be next, so value what's important. That's like the whole premise. That's what is being said here. Reminding them of the fact that it's coming. You could be next. So when you stand back and take a big picture view of your life, and you don't have to answer this now, and I'm going to move through it quickly, maybe you could talk about it at Life Group this week if you are bold enough to share and you are bold enough to share. What does your funeral look like? You ever thought about that before? It's 
It's been said, if you want the life you want to have, start at your funeral and work backwards. It's actually pretty practical. Who's there? Is anybody there? Have you burned all the bridges that there are? Are you leaving a legacy? Did you make a difference in the community that you live? Was your life about you or was it about others? All of that stuff will be very evident on the day that your body goes into the ground. What will people say about you? And then ask this question. What do you want people to say about you? Dads, what do you want your wife and your kids to say about you? I know what I want mine to say about me. And it's not that he was a good pastor. I would rather them talk about that I, get, I tried as hard as I could to do what God asked me to do. That I was available. That I cared more about them than I did about the church. That I loved Jesus and I really looked to him to lead me through life. And I did everything I could to help others do that. When you look at the big picture and when you start at your death and you work backwards, your priority list gets straightened out real quick. The hard part is, is you get dropped back off into the cycles and then you're back in the trenches and you have to remember what you saw in the big picture. But you can only get dropped back off into the cycles into the, into the trenches of life, you stand back, you take a look, and you're like, whoa, I need to make some changes. God is showing me through his word and through people talking to me and different things that, and I'm just feeling like there needs to be some stuff that's, that's changing. Then you get dropped back off. Then you go to work on Monday, the place you were trying to escape on Friday. Here's the deal. Getting a new perspective is cool. Getting a kingdom perspective is what's important. We want to see as God sees, not just stand back and be like, yeah, this have just another perspective. We want to know what God thinks. That's what Solomon says. He went through all of this stuff, but he always retained the wisdom that God had given him. He knew better. Skip over to chapter 9, verse 1. This too, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so it might sound a little different than your wording. He says, this too, I carefully explored even though the actions of godly and wise people are in god's hands no one knows whether god will show them favor the same destiny ultimately awaits everyone whether righteous or wicked good or bad ceremonially clean or unclean religious or irreligious we could add rich or poor black or white everybody Good people receive the same treatment as sinners and people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that everyone under under the sun suffers the same fate. Already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyways. That's heavy. He's saying if you just gain another perspective, you're doing things your way. You might as well just keep doing things your way because a lot of stuff justice i we want we are a people god designed us that's why we care about justice that's why we care about equality that's why people are fighting 
for these things. But he's saying if you live under the sun, no matter how hard you try, you're not going to solve those problems. And that, and for uh, completely, because they're not under the sun problems. Those are eternal um, problems that have to be solved in the Lord. So he draws a conclusion. If you're, he's like, so under the sun, this person. How many times do we hear something like the person that 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 died? They, were, they didn't deserve that. You know, that's like what comes to mind. They were such a good person. They, were, they, they weren't hurting anybody. They weren't doing anything. It just happened. And then how often do we hear that, that person was doing that evil thing that whole time and they never got busted for that? It got swept under the rug? That's not fair. He stands back and he looks and he was like, under the sun, fairness doesn't play out the way that you think. So if you're going to walk apart from God, get what you can while you can. But if you stand back and look at the whole big picture, he draws this conclusion, which was a saying from a um, philosophy and poetry of their day. He says this, when you stand back and look, there is only hope for the living. As they say, it is better to be a live dog than a dead lion. We would say something like, um, well, we said something similar last week. It's better to have one handful of quietness and contentment than two handfuls of chaos. It is better to be a living dog than a dead lion, he says. Before the Battle of uh, Sterling Bridge on the September 11th, 1297, September 11th. It was new that day. Our September 11th was new, but nothing new under the sun. September 11th, 1297, William Wallace, who was leading the Scots, gave a powerful speech to motivate his soldiers. And a few words from her speech are this. We all end up dead. It's just a question of how and why. Every man dies Not every man really lives. I am William Wallace. I'm sorry I can't help but see Mel Gibson when I hear that. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men and free men you are. But what will you do with that freedom? Will you fight? He was fighting for a new perspective. He stood back and, they, and he said, I just love it. Everybody dies, but not everyone really lives. When you look at the big picture, we ask these questions like, what am I doing? What am I living for? Any joggers in here? Um, God bless you people. We need to really pray for you all. There's two of you? Okay. Good. One, two. All right. The other one is in the back serving your, serving your children. Um, I was thinking about running. You know, you can run outside and you can run on a treadmill. 
Now you're running on both, but you're only going somewhere in one of them. You get a workout from both, but only one changes your perspective. William Wallace is kind of saying we're all running, but only some of us are going somewhere. That's the cycles of life. I love what this um, commentator said. He said, instead of reckoning with the meaning of death, humans fill their life with the distractions of a thousand passions and squander what little time they have to immediate but insignificant worries. Can I read that again? Because I think it's really good. Instead of reckoning with the meaning of death, standing back and taking a look, humans fill their lives with distractions, the distractions of a thousand passions, and they squander what little time they have to immediate but insignificant worries. Are you a reactive person? Does something happen and you're like, boom, bam, bam, react. As I have gotten older and tried to get mature, let me tell you one way that I feel God has helped me to grow maybe most. I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Less reactionary. And uh, I try to not react but relate. Um, stand back, take a look, take a breath, see where it fits, and then, or not relate, respond, excuse me. I try not to react, but rather to respond. Response takes thought. React takes. When you react, we rarely, uh, we rarely are excited about our reaction. There's only one reaction that I'm ever excited about, um, and that is the reaction to help someone. When my natural tendency is to just, boom, I want to help, I want to protect. Other times, my reactions are, they're never good. Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the iron, another saying of Solomon, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. These are my favorite. These are those gold nuggets I was talking to you guys about. They're found in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. If the iron is blunt, we're talking about an axe. Anybody ever chopped wood? Okay. Anybody ever used a chainsaw? Yeah. There's a rule in in sawmanship. You're using a chainsaw. If you hit the ground, if, you're, if your saw is dull, stop, sharpen it, and then start again. It's going to take you about 20 minutes to sharpen your saw if you're good at it. But this old guy that taught me how to do all my cutting, he said to me, he said, JJ, it's always worth stopping and sharpening because if you don't, you're going to hit the ground harder and more often because you've got to push the saw harder. So if you're cutting wood with a chainsaw, this isn't in my notes. This is just a Northwest tip for all y'all. I don't have my flannel on, but I know how to cut some wood. If you're out there cutting firewood and you're like pushing as hard as you can and, the feels, and you're seeing smoke rise, your saw is dull. Just stop. It's, it's not going to get you anywhere except for when you finally get through, you're going to go poof, into the ground so hard that you might as well throw the whole chain away. God help that person. 
If the iron is blunt, so what's he saying? Sharpen the saw. There is a perspective change. There's a godly perspective that we can get. It's not based on time or circumstances. It's not based on the linear. In the radical middle, there is a perspective change that happens when you connect with the one who has the other perspective, a kingdom perspective. God, what do you see? What do you think? What is important to you? All of a sudden, you're going to live differently. When we get to the rhythms that we're talking about next week, giving isn't going to be begrudgingly because God says, no, actually, I want you to take some of what you work hard for and give it away. Why? It's a kingdom perspective that your life is not about you only. It's about God and others. We're gonna, I'm excited. Can you tell? We'll get there. But this is what we need first. We have to understand there's another way to be human. You're not going to find it under the sun. You're going to find it in the Son of God. But you can't see it from where you're at. So where are you? Are you running on a treadmill? Do you need to get off and take a look around? Do you need to start at the end and think about death? Because your outlook determines your outcome. If Ecclesiastes tells us anything, it tells us that life is busy. Anyone experience busyness? And that we can beg, steal, and borrow to get the things that we think we want, and we can actually miss out on what we were truly supposed to experience. I don't have it in my notes, but I heard this yesterday, and I feel like I'm supposed to tell you. Some of you have really made some bad mistakes. You've really screwed things up. But just because you've made a mistake doesn't make you a mistake. Just because you made a mistake doesn't make you a mistake. God is the only one who can take what seemed to be wasted, the wasted years. We can't get those back. But God can redeem time. Did you know that? He can take all of the years and all of the time and all of the relationships and all of the money and all the stuff that you, a PG-13 term comes to mind. I don't want to use it, but all the stuff that you just peed away. (laughs) Sorry. That you wasted. And he says, all the time that the locusts ate, all the time that was eaten and taken away, God says, that he can redeem that time. But you got to start looking at yourself in life differently, and you got to start looking through Jesus' eyes. You can't say this, because there are things that you wish you could do over. There are things that time and chance just happened to you you didn't deserve, but there are things that you did where you blew it, and you wish you could go back. And so you move forward, but you're like Uncle Rico. You're always thinking, I wish coach would put me back in now. But I could throw a football a quarter mile, he says. We'd win state for sure. Napoleon Dynamite. If you haven't seen it, just keep rolling with the, with the sermon here. You live in the past. Could go back to high school, back when I was pretty, back when I was buff, 
back when I was this, back before I took my foot off the gas of my life and just got caught up in the circles and the treadmills. Wish I could go back. Solomon says, say not, why, the, why were the former days better than these? Don't live in the rear view. It is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. Wisdom is an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is what preserves the life of him who lost it. Consider the work of God. Perspective change. Who can make straight what God has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. Here's a radical middle statement. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider this. God made them both. So that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In the day of prosperity, throw some high fives. Have a barbecue. Congratulate. Look at what's good. But in the day of adversity, just know that there is a perspective that God has that he will show you that you can't see when you're in the problem so close. You got to stand back like Solomon did. You stand back and you're like, man, there's a time to get a raise. There's a time to get fired. There's a time to make out. There's a time to, you know, get in a fight. There's a time to this. There's a time to that. These polar opposite things. But in the middle, we can see But God made all of these things. So here's our two things to grow, and we'll go quick, and I'll, we'll end on them. Two ways we want to grow. We want to grow in empathy. When you get back, what does God want to do before, he put, before we... Because here's the deal. Life is happening. For me personally, starting tomorrow, there's a message in six days that I have to prepare and all of this stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's hard. And I want to do a good job, but I also want to spend time with my family, I have another job that I do. So I look at my life, but I got to go live it this week. You can't live mine for me. I have to do it. But I can't live yours for you. You have to do it. There are things that you want to do this week that you don't want to do. There's things that you might have to apologize for that you did. But you got to go. There's a linear life. We got to go this week. We want to grow in empathy. We want to have the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. You are an individual, but you are not alone. Something may be new to you, but other people are going through it as well. And the second thing we want to grow, this is the one that I think is, so what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said it. Throw it out if you know it. Yeah, that's part B. What's part A? Love God, love people. Right? This is what Jesus says. All the commandments, the law and the prophets, if you love God and love people, the response from getting a kingdom perspective, empathy is aligning with another, another human being made in your likeness, whether they look like you, vote like you, all that stuff. It's, it's people, love people. The other one is grow in faith. This is love God, trust God. Faith. Walking in faith is walking, um, one person, Warren Wiersbe says it like this, faith, 
learns to live with the seeming inconsistencies and absurdities of life. These guys in their big words. We can't explain life, but we must experience life. We either endure it or we enjoy it. That guy's smart. I put it like this. Faith. It's learning to live by God's promises, not God's explanations. We live by God's promises. I will give you life. If you come to me, I'll never turn away. Do you know God's promises? They're found in God's word. We're spending time with God's word. We have to live by his promises because if we live by explanations, why did that happen? Why did this happen? We're going to find ourselves spinning our wheels. The, The life of faith is living by God's promises. We long to enjoy life and make the most of it while realizing this is not all there is. Do you see a potential for a radical middle ground? Someone who wants to enjoy this life, to love the people around them, to work hard, but also realize that it's not all that there is. You are in the radical middle of your own life. You are in the middle of where you have been and where you are going. And wherever you go, ready, bombshell, starts with where you're at exactly. As we start looking at some of our patterns for growth, healthy rhythms for walking in faith, you can't do it until you look at where you're at. And then you step back and you see where you're at and you're like, okay, how are things going? And if we're honest, we're going to see things that we like, things that we don't like. And then we invite God, Lord, would you, like Solomon, I want to be able to honestly take an audit of what's going on and know here's God's promises. Ready? The day, the good is still yet to come. That's God's promise for your life. The best days are ahead. Do you believe that? Are you willing to make necessary changes to get there? Let me end with this verse. Romans 8.28 says this. When you live by God's promises, we know that for those who love God, you don't have to raise your hand, but let me ask you this. Do you love God? Do you know Him? And do you love Him? And I'm going to give you a promise right now. You can read it in context in Romans chapter 8, but here's where he boils it down to. If you love God, He will work all things together for good in your life. For your good, for his glory. It'll be good for both of you. It's going to be good for God's work that he's doing and good for your life. That's why Paul made these crazy statements in his life. He said, For I expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. He says this when looking at his whole life. For me, living like the day-to-day, living means living for Jesus and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Jesus. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I'm in this middle place. 
I long to go and be with Jesus, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I live. He was torn. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to deal with the hardships. But I don't necessarily want to go right now because God has things that he's doing in me and through me. And the radical middle was, while God has put breath in his lungs, he's going to live for other people. So as we stand back and look, and you can't do it all in a day. I mean, this is a message. We're going to we go through God's word every day, but you actually have to like take and, and think about this stuff in your life. The cool thing is, if you take all of this and you just say, Lord, can you show me? Can you help me? He will. And some of you maybe have never talked to God that way before, like that he's real. But maybe it's just like, you know, the man upstairs or the, the, the dude in charge. And, and um, you know, he has, a, he has a name. And for eons, it's been Yahweh. It's the one who is, the one who doesn't change, who always was, who is now and who is to come. As he was yesterday, he is today, so he will be in the future. So just as there was nothing new then, we're dealing with the same stuff. God doesn't change. And he wants to show you his perspective. But you have to open yourself up to God's perspective. People say, becoming a Christian. Becoming a Christian is when you open yourself up to God's way of life. It's saying, I've been my way only. And then it's opening yourself up and be like, I, God of the Bible, I want your way. Now, you invite God in to your life in whatever words you want to use. And it says, and God puts his Holy Spirit, his indwelling presence into your life. Now, the Holy Spirit comes with the full authority of God. So with the full love of God, you'll, be lo- you'll experience love like you've never felt. With the full opposition of God, there will be new things that come your way that you didn't ask for or sign up for. Spiritual battles because what God is doing in the world, the devil who is very real is trying to undo in your life and in the life of others. That's why we need each other. Your sin will become evident to you. Because the Holy Spirit is just that, holy. He is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So while it's easy to see the sin on other people's, oh, that person this or that person that, it's a lot harder to see it in yourself. And to just be like, but the Lord never points it out to put you on blast. He points it out so he can pull it out and cleanse it. And that's what it is when you, to be Uh, born spiritually you're like a baby you're learning things new but that's what it is to just be like lord i want to see the things from your perspective would you speak to me it's inviting jesus to show you you see what i'm saying it's very like um it's a lot more natural than like maybe you've been taught or been shown in the past so i'm going to pray for us i'm going to ask god to do that If you open yourself up in a new way today, um, man, I would love for you to share that with me or someone so we could just 
yeah, help you and, and uh, encourage you. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. And, Lord, um, we stand back and look. And uh, we look at our lives from our earliest memories to the stuff that's coming that we don't even see it yet, but we know it's coming because it's happened to every other person who's ever gone before us. It'll be new to us, but it's not new in the way of things. And then we see ourselves right in the middle of that, Lord. We see all the injustice and all the issues in the world. We see the things that we struggle with. And we ask, Lord, we open ourselves up for you to show us what you see. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here today that has never asked you, genuinely asked you to take a look around in their lives and show them a new perspective. And regardless if you're doing it for the first time or you're doing it for the hundredth time, if you're willing and you're eager to open up and just ask God to do a new work, a fresh work, I just would like you to hold a hand up to the sky and we're going to pray together. Mine's up because I'm asking them. Lord, it is a weird thing to think about um, the end of my life a little bit because I don't want it to be over. I know the things that await me, even though I can't fully explain them, I know that it's better than anything I will experience here. But I feel there are things that you have for me. I love my family so much. I love this church so much. I love life so much, even when it's really hard. But I don't want to do things my way because every time I've done things what I think I want, I end up like unsatisfied. And I don't want to live unsatisfied. I want the abundant life that you promised Jesus. So I know that I'll only find that by walking with you. So here I am. Here's my feet. I invite you into this place with me. Would you lead me? Give me your perspective. We love you, Lord. We sing this song to you in response to your goodness and your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.